Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is November 17th, 2023. And welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. I am ready for Thanksgiving, and I'm joined today by Sean Bingham, our Director of Risk Management. Hello, Sean. How are you? Mike, I am not ready for Thanksgiving. I'm ready. I'm not even remotely close to ready for Thanksgiving. I do have a turkey. Okay. That's, That's as far as I've gotten. Well, see, I'm visiting the in-laws, and I don't uh, worry about that. I don't have to worry about it. You know what my favorite part of Thanksgiving is, and this is a little weird. The nap after the food? N- no, the next day, because I love making an omelet with turkey. Really? Yeah. I'm yeah. an omelet-making freak. I make omelets all the time, but I've never, I don't think I've ever tried turkey. You should try it. Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, you should try it this year, and let me know how it is. Well, all you listeners out there, I hope you are, are getting ready for a, a great Thanksgiving, and and remember uh, friends and family, and and uh, just enjoy it. And uh, if some of them irritate you, just, uh, you know, embrace it, right? Sure. Sean? <laughs> But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're not here to talk about that. What we're here to talk about today, Sean, is the uh, energy webinar that you did earlier in the week. And I thought it was such a great informative webinar uh, that some of our listeners who are not IQ subscribers that are probably after this discussion going to reach out out to us at mckinney-flavel.com to register to be an IQ subscriber because you can get that webinar on there. They're going to do this because uh, it was a great webinar, well, Sean. Thanks. I thought today we would we we would recap it some of the highlights of that because energy is uh, a very volatile uh, topic, mm-hmm. a lot going on, and maybe you could cover some of those highlights. Yeah, no, I mean it, it, energy is is volatile in and of itself, right? I mean uh, that's just true. An example we uh, we had some some what were very favorable inflation uh, reports this week and CPI and PPI. But if you stripped out the energy component, I'm not going to say they were bad, but they weren't near as good as I think the market cheered. So, yeah, en- you know, energy impacts just about everything, and it certainly impacts us in the food and beverage industry, whether it's uh, using energy to produce you know, product or whether it's uh, moving that product all over the country. So, yeah, we had, uh, like I said, we had a webinar this week, and I kind of went over a long version of what I was seeing in the energy market. So maybe we can recap a couple of those uh, highlights and yeah. uh, go from there. So I think the fir- first highlight is, is the good news. The good news is we produced a record 13 million barrels of oil a day Wow! in uh, this last month. And so production is you know off the charts for the United States. I mean we are we are rebounding obviously from big uh, production declines following covid but we have now surpassed those levels and so what we're seeing is is uh, great production very efficient production because what's happened is and and Jeffrey spoke about this on the in the gas natural gas part of the webinar is we're doing it with about 25% fewer uh, operational oil rigs than we had pre-COVID. So just just right ahead of COVID, we had, oh, I want to say about 775 operational rigs. And today it's uh, slightly under 500 given the, the newest data. Wow. Yet we're producing record amounts of uh, oil. So uh, that, you know, great stuff there. Uh, I think, you know, something else we talked about in the webinar was 
uh, situation in the Middle East. I think so far we've been very lucky that it's not spread more regional. I think the big concern with regard to energy is uh, what happens. Uh, Iran has called for uh, some uh, uh, halting of oil sales to nations that are supporting Israel. That has not happened, luckily. Uh, we haven't really seen any action since they announced that. But when you look at uh, some of the biggest producers in the world who could uh, take Iran's uh, suggestion, that would include Russia, China, uh, obviously Iran themselves, and probably Algeria. And uh, you know, Russia's the number three producer in the world. Mm. Um, it would be pretty devastating because Russia themselves provide about little under 12% of the global production of oil around the world. So something to watch out uh, there, obviously, a little bit of a wild card, but uh, that's really the reason that we saw crude oil prices spike. But uh, so far, they've come down. And then after that inflation data we got, they, they came down even more. Switch over to our Bob a little bit. Some interesting stuff going on there. The EIA has announced, and I mean, this is not a huge surprise, that per capita gasoline demand in the United States is actually slowing. And mm. based on their projections of slightly higher gasoline consumption in 2024, but even higher uh, 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 population increases, we are looking at the lowest per capita gasoline consumption in the United States in 20 years. Wow. Now that, that, that excludes 2020, the COVID years, but uh, we are about to maybe fall under 400 gallons per year per person in this country. Wow. And so that's, yeah. So I think we can look at that as a good thing because uh, what's interesting about that is you might first say, well, we're just not driving as much, right? Yeah. We're not using as much gas because we're not driving as much. Everybody works from home. Well, that's not really true. We've actually, uh, vehicle miles traveled, uh, have actually returned to their pre-COVID peak. Wow. So, uh, and that's up considerably over the last few years. So all the, all the questions about, well, people, you know, are people driving as much as they did after COVID as during COVID? And the answer is, yeah, we're driving almost just as much as we did right before the COVID pandemic. So, you know, where is, where is the lower consumption coming from? I don't know how many EVs you see around your neighborhood, but I, you know, I. <laughs> well, I'm Northern got, California, so quite a few. But you probably see a bunch. Well, I tell you, even uh, outside of Chicago here, I mean, I, 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 I don't know if I put a number on it. I, uh, Tesla would be maybe every 20 or 30 cars you yeah. see now. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Uh, you don't hear them, but you see them. Yeah, that's uh, a, well. They make a little bit of a noise. They make a little it's bit like of a noise. weird noise, but yes, yeah, exactly. I, th I think uh, I think it's uh, <laughs> for us here in Northern California. It's like every third car. So yeah, yeah it's pretty exactly. crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you guys love your cars there in California. So yeah, um, we I, do. I, we we do. But you know, I, uh, I you know me, I'm not a big car guy. So, but my kids are pressing me to get a Tesla. Of course, they think, they? they think it's cool. Well, we're going to go off on a little bit of tangent, but it, don't do it because you think you're saving the planet. Because if you look at the physical amount of material that has to be mined to create a single battery in a yeah. car, the emissions to mine that material makes up all the difference in what your, uh, your emissions for the car. So the idea that 
you're going to save the planet buying a Tesla. You probably need to do a little more research on what it takes to build those things. So I think that battery in the average vehicle, it's like 12,000 power, yeah, 1200 pounds or yeah, yeah. 1200 pounds. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, but let's, we'll stay on that subject a little bit, <laughs> not to get way offline. Well, yeah. Hey, if, if you're going to talk about saving the world, you, I'm going to bring on Nate, my son, because he, he will, he loves this topic and he, he is all over it. So well, look, it's, it, it's a great topic. I would just say, you know, before you just think that there's no cost to these vehicles, there is a cost. Sure. And, uh, and I can't remember what the number of, of material mines, but it was, it was a crazy number. Yeah. It, it like millions of tons of, of material mined to, to create a battery, but look, it's a cool car. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's, it's a cool car. And if you want to go buy a Tesla, because it's a cool car and maybe, you know, you hold it long enough, maybe it does save the planet. So, you know, good stuff. I drive it. I drive a truck. So <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's uh, it's one of the flex fuels. I don't use. Okay, flex yeah, fuel, I know. But yeah, I could use a flex fuel. There you go. Anyway, so what? You know, why why are we seeing less consumption in, in gasoline? Well, we just talked about it, right? Electric car sales are are at the very very early stages, and EIA projects that to go from where we are right now, which is about uh, call it seven or eight percent of the uh, market share for light duty vehicles by twenty, uh, call it twenty forty. Uh, we're close to almost 20% of light duty vehicles on the road. So if you think you see a lot of them now, uh, we're going to see a lot more in the future. And what's interesting about that projection, Mike, it obviously it has a lot to do with where the price of, of gasoline, the price of crude oil is. You know, if the, if the price of crude oil comes down, uh, those sales will, will not be quite that high. But if the price of crude oil uh, goes up you know, much more than their projections, that number could reach almost 30% uh, by 2040. So yeah, uh, one out of three cars, an electric vehicle, if, if gas, if, you know, crude oil prices stay really high. So, uh, you know, a lot of room there, but certainly one of the reasons that uh, consumption is going down. And the other is we're just making, even if we're talking about a, a combustion engine, we're making much more efficient combustion engines. So, uh, in 2010, uh, the average fuel economy for a car was about 20 miles per gallon. Today, it's gone up to just a little bit, uh, right right about 25 miles per gallon. And they say by roughly 2040, that, that could be up around 33, 34 miles per gallon for just your basic combustion wow. engine. So we are driving every bit as much as we used to, uh, but we're driving electric vehicles and we're driving certainly more uh, fuel efficient vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. It, we are getting better. That is for sure. We are. We are without a doubt. So I, I just, uh, one other uh, topic that I hit on that I think is pretty interesting uh, for those that uh, that buy soybean oil is uh, the whole renewable diesel factor. And one of the interesting things that, that a lot of people talk about is all the renewable diesel capacity that's going to come online over the next uh, three to four years, and and, and it's a it, it's a bunch. I mean, from from where we stand, I just kind of just the numbers I have. Uh, you know, we've got capacity right around about three billion gallons per year right now, and by about twenty twenty seven, we will more than double that to almost eight billion gallons a year in capacity, which is scary if you think that all of that uh, renewable diesel is going to come from soybean oil because we simply don't have that much. Mm. Uh, but there is there is a glimmer of light in that in the sense that 
at least the projects that are in construction right now, about a little over 40% of those projects are conversions. So they're not new projects. They're not expanded projects. They're converting from biodiesel to renewable diesel, which means at least some of that capacity is not going to be directly de- more demand for soybean oil. It's just going to shift from biodiesel to renewable diesel or sustainable aviation fuel in a lot of on a lot of the cases. So uh, some of the reason to panic about about all this capacity coming online, a fair amount of that is going to be conversion. And and as I stated in the webinar, we're not going to get rid of biodiesel. There's a lot of components or a lot of uh, things about biodiesel uh, that are very beneficial when you're blending diesel. So uh, diesel blends in the future are going to have some component of biodiesel as well as renewable diesel, as well as standard diesel going forward. And 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 depending on where you live in the country and how cold and things like that mm-hmm. uh, will depend on that blend. And not to mention what states you live in. Some states are going to have more uh, strict uh, strict limits on how much uh, how much of it has to be biofuel and whatnot. So you know biodiesel is not going to go away, but uh, we're certainly seeing some cannibalization of biodiesel into renewable diesel, which hopefully won't pull soybean demand, soybean oil demand for that uh, material as much as we think. As well as the fact that we are uh, now becoming uh, pretty aggressive importers of things like uh, uh, waste grease to create some of these fuels. So that was kind of a quick rundown uh, of what we were talking about. Some of the highlights, I would say. Yeah. And, and like I said, listeners, it was a, a really informative uh, webinar and, and energy impacts all of us, not only personally, but as as we are going through with our companies and a lot of you procurement professionals out there uh, are trying to figure it out and what to do moving forward. And Sean and Jeffrey are just the folks to be talking to about that. So great recap, Sean. And, you know, I think we would both agree that Hey, you know, there's a challenge with anything new in life. And I, you know, growing up, you know, I had hippie parents. They would be, (laughs) they're just so happy about, you know, the the things that are happening in this world to try to make it better place. And and I think uh, uh, there's a lot of good things that are happening. Uh, You know, I like the whole waste grease thing. It's like, hey, look, it's, it's, how can we reuse this to uh, uh, make things more efficient? But at the end of the day, you know, it takes time for these things. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, you you can just look at a lot of what's happened in the wind and solar, which, which uh, has, you know, got a lot of bad press early, but I think is starting to make, uh, is starting to become more uh, cost efficient. By a lot, by by a large margin, sure. Uh, technology changes everything, and 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 I I don't doubt for one second American ingenuity oh, to yeah. tackle to tackle the climate issue, uh, and you know who knows? I mean, in ten in ten years, we may be talking about something that we don't even know about yet. Right, right. And a lot of talk about uh, 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 microchips now that that can operate at room temperature. I mean, these these are game changer kind of technologies that literally would change the world and the the world trajectory for a lot of things. So it's awesome. Yeah, it really is. It's good stuff. Hey, well, everybody out there, we're going to wrap this one up. I want everyone out there to have a uh, wonderful Thanksgiving and be thankful for what you got. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. I just said it all right there. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. 
That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favel.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.